they began to blast social media and and people began to pray. Well, during that space, uh, that two and a half, three hour space where uh, I really wasn't there, uh, the doctors kept coming out to the students to say, hey, he's dead. We just really needed to identify the body. Uh, he's gone. Uh, we're just kind of waiting for mom to kind of arrive there. And to make a long story short, uh, my mom kind of flies in, comes into the hospital and uh, the students had stopped praying, but she basically tells them, hey, my son's going to live. My son's going to live today. And of course, many of them thought that uh, that was denial. I'm sure the medical team thought that that was denial. But when she walked into that room, Greg, um, I got up and I began speaking in another language and I'm here today. Welcome everyone. Today we are joined by an old friend of mine, Gavin Cole. We grew up together in Liberty, Missouri and now serve in ministry in different parts of the world. He is the youth pastor of Apostolic Church in Mount Vernon, Ohio. We talked to him about his life and ministry, how God raised him from the dead miraculously, advice he has for this generation, and much more. As you're currently listening, you're probably not following. Following us is the best way to stay connected and not miss an episode. To follow us on Apple Podcasts, look to the top right for the plus sign. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube. Now, let's get to the conversation. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Man, I'm glad to be here. Super glad to be here. Uh, my privilege and my honor. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's it's been a while since we've been able to connect. We we grew up together in, in Kansas City, in the Kansas City area. Uh, and actually, I was uh, it was great to see you a couple of years back when when you flew down to Australia for uh, Trey Kiesling's wedding. That was yeah. pretty cool, like worlds colliding on the Gold Coast. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That was a that was a good time. Uh, Trey was getting married, and uh, that was my first time in a different day. You know, because you guys are like a <laughs> day ahead, right? Uh, and so, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I was only there for like a like a, a few days, and then I came back, yeah, and I quick, had already yeah. experienced the day, right? That I had already experienced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That yeah. was hard. That yeah, was coming hard. to Australia, you you lose a full day. Like, um, we just flew back. We were just in the states for a couple of weeks, and I think we flew back. We left on the 29th of August, and we L.A. And then we arrived into Sydney on the 31st of August. So we didn't even experience the 30th. <laughs> right. You just, but then you on the just way back. Yeah. And then on the way back, you actually arrive before you leave. So I'll leave Sydney around like 10 and arrive into LA at 6 a.m. The same day. So man, it's wild. Talk about jet lag, man. Talk about jet lag. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's why... You did it over a few days. I can't imagine the amount of jet lag uh, you all would have had after that. But yeah, it was crazy, man. I I'll tell you one thing about Australia that I was not prepared for. Uh, at least my experience, not very many places had air conditioning, right? Uh, oh yeah. And I wasn't prepared for that at all. Uh, I was I was looking <laughs> for some respite, some cool air, and that was not the case <laughs> at all. <laughs> Uh, so yeah we do have we do have aircon here but yeah we 
they definitely don't like to blast it, especially up in Queensland. You know, they, they pride themselves on, on their nice weather, but yeah, it gets hot, especially if you're not used to it. Yeah. And I was, I was a little bit heftier then. So I was just sweating like bullets, man. I was sweating <laughs> bullets, man. So I, but I enjoyed oh, it. It was fun. Uh, I had a good time. Yeah. Well, it's so good to have you on, on the podcast here today. Thanks again for agreeing to come on. And I like yeah. to start out these conversations by getting to know the guests. You know, obviously I know you, but uh, most of my listeners um, may not know you. So if you wouldn't mind sharing with us a bit of your background, where you come from, your worldview, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, here in America. And, uh, but really it was this smaller town, uh, now big, it's a much bigger now, uh, Liberty, Missouri. Uh, I grew up, uh, you know, in a uh, suburban area, uh, not super rough, but it was just, it was, it was, uh, it is what it is, right? And so I, uh, I grew up with, you know, yeah. my mother, uh, had a stepdad, had some stepbrothers, uh, my sister Janae, uh, and uh, and myself. And uh, I remember uh, growing up in, in Liberty. It was a very fresh and new town. It was kind of coming up, um, but uh, there was um, plenty of plenty of place uh, ways to grow in that area. Uh, growing up, I played basketball. That was my favorite favorite thing to do. Uh, growing up, probably from the age of like five, I think I had my first pair of Jordans when I was five, and that was my last pair of Jordans like until now. <laughs> um, uh, I grew up. Uh, I grew up in church at this place called Liberty Pentecostal Church, uh, there in Liberty. Uh, and I, uh, uh, I really just, I, I, I cut my teeth on a Pentecostal pew, really, growing up uh, in, in mm -hmm. my space. But I will say, uh, uh, I'm not sure how much you want me to indulge, but, you know, I know we're going to end up talking about ministry. So uh, part of my story is a part of my ministry as well. Um, and so growing mm -hmm. up in that space, uh, loving basketball. I was a Bible quizzer. I love Bible quizzing, uh, and all that space. Uh, but growing up in that space, there was, a, there was some hard times as well. Uh, kind of growing up mm -hmm. in a, uh, kind of a domestic, uh, abusive, uh, you know, uh, you know, space, uh, with, with, um, with some violence kind of going on in, in that space as well. Um, mm. and there was, uh, just there's a lot of uh, hurt and a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of pain that kind of as I grew up, uh, my 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 backstory is pretty pretty filled with some hard um, some some hard uh, you know some part past uh, things with with my father uh, my stepdad, um, but kind of overcame that and eventually uh, eventually uh, I. Uh, kind of grew up out of that. But, you know, yeah, I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. I uh, enjoyed playing basketball, enjoyed, um, I met my wife there. I met my wife there. Oh, my did you? lovely wife. I yeah. Yeah, I met my wife there. Uh, we grew up together, man. I, if, if we had a full mm. podcast, I can give you like two or three hours uh, of that, that time uh, that we, that we grew together. But yeah, my lovely wife, uh, Natasha Cole, uh, Back then was Natasha Overton at the time. And uh, I remember we started dating when I was about 14, 14 years old. 
they're in they're in liberty. So and the rest is history. Which which church did she attend? Which church so did she, she attended, attend Penn City? Yeah, so she attended attended Liberty, uh, Liberty Pentecostal did Church she? there. Oh. Yep, yeah, she did. And she how many uh, years? How many years younger than me are you? How old are you? Ooh, I'm thirty. I'm just trying to place her. Yeah, thirty. Okay, maybe yeah. I'd already moved on. I think so. When did you? We when actually, did you stop? we were attending the same church for a while. Yeah. Um. So I went to, I went to Gateway in. Well, I graduated high school two thousand seven, so I went to Gateway that same year, and um, and that's basically I was basically gone from there. I think I came back for one summer, and then ended up moving to Australia at the end of two thousand eight. So, because um, uh, I remember I have these vague memories of driving you to school, or yeah. uh, in high school. Yes, we, I was picking you up from your mom's place and and taking you to. Liberty High School. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what Greg is speaking of here, and he may not remember, but that was the heart situation that we were having. Uh, he was needing to, mm. you had to, you had to pick me up from school because uh, things were kind of rough at home uh, and mom couldn't do that. Mm. And so you kind of stepped in during that time and uh, provided some transport for me uh, going to high school. How old were you then when you were picking me up? Oh man, uh, we're reaching back now. I would probably have been... Yeah. 16 maybe 16 17 because yeah. i graduated yeah. high school and i was uh i wasn't even 18 yet so um yeah i would have been quite young yeah i remember you graduated early yeah um so uh, that's a little bit about your background and and um but uh you you have an amazing story and we're going to dive into that through throughout this episode um but now uh you know you're a minister of the gospel when did you feel the call to preach? When did you get to that space where um, you felt that calling, that calling into ministry and to fulfill um, the will of God for your life? That's a really good question. Um, mine comes in waves and stages. Um, I remember at Liberty Pentecostal Church there in Liberty, a now called Refuge, I remember uh, I was at a prayer meeting, and if you remember, we used to have these prayer meetings on Tuesday nights, and they, uh, I'm talking about old school prayer meeting where there was a tape recorder in the front, and if we didn't have a tongues and interpretation, we didn't have a prayer meeting, you know, and they, they would put it on record <laughs> when they, there, was a, there was a tongues and interpretation there, and I remember I was going to the corner, the back right corner, and... Uh, John Morgan's uh, stopped me and he looked at me straight, the pastor there, and uh, he he stopped me and he said, Gavin, you're, you're going to be a preacher. And I remember my response to him. I looked straight back at him and I said, no, I'm not. You have the wrong guy. Uh, that's what I said. <laughs> no, I'm not. You have the wrong guy. Uh, but I went home and I thought about it and I processed it and uh, I had never considered it. It had never come up mm -hmm. to my mind that that's what I wanted to do. Well, when I got about 14, uh, my love for basketball kind of continued. And I remember that I had this concept, I had this idea, Greg, that I would become an NBA preacher, right? That I would, mm -hmm. that I would, I would play the first two quarters. I would preach the halftime and then I would, <laughs> and, and it wouldn't matter who lost or won. And then we play this third and fourth quarter 
and everybody would get the Holy Ghost. That was like my, that That's was right. my dream. You know, that was my, that was my dream. And, uh, you know, obviously that did not come to pass, but, uh, that's what I was struggling with. And I remember, um, around 14, uh, beginning of my 15th year, I went to, uh, what they had, what they call Missouri youth convention. And I was, mm-hmm. I was praying, I was struggling. I love basketball. I was good at it. Um, really good at it. And, um, I was trying to figure out what to do. Well, a young man, a young man then by the name of Cesar Munoz kind of started praying for me and he began to speak these words. He says, Gavin, you, you, you're only going to serve one thing or the other. You, you can't serve God or mammon. Uh, either you love one or hate the other, uh, or love one and despise the other. And I remember just crying at the altar, just realizing that I had to choose. I had to choose, but do I want to be in full-time ministry here? Um, or do I want to pursue this career uh, of basketball or, or something like that? And, uh, I remember crying, I was about 15 years old and I was just, I was just torn. I was really, really torn. Um, and I really didn't make a, a big decision there. Um, I, I played basketball, but my first message ever was when I was 15. I preached when I was 15 to this high school crowd, uh, of people, and I felt good. Like I felt like, oh man, this is something I can get into, uh, but but nothing that I thought would would ever come to fruition. Well, uh, when I got about sixteen years old, right about that, about a year or so after that experience, I decided to kind of step away. Like I really focused on basketball. This is what I wanted to do. This is this is uh, this is how I wanted to to pursue uh, my life and. Uh, a youth pastor was smart enough, Greg, and wise enough uh, mm. to give me a, a mentor uh, to kind of kind of help me along. And that mentor's name is Ron Dilda, and he was mm. a gym. He he was a gym, uh, and he really veered my path and kind of helped me process what my call really was. Uh, because people began to validate that call, right? They began to um, say, hey, you know, Gavin, this is what we see in you. And I would respond the same way I responded to my pastor in previous years. No, you got the wrong guy. And so he gave me a challenge. Uh, Just picture Gavin, uh, super thuggish. I'm talking about the 4XL t-shirt, baggy pants. I mean, just picture this guy thinking he's a thug. And walking into this uh, this gentleman's home, and he just taught me. He was like a dad to me. He he taught me how how to be a man, and just taught me some etiquette. I needed it, um, but then he gave me a challenge. He gave me a challenge, and he says, "Gavin, I want you to read the Bible through in a year." He says, "I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can do it." So I said, "Okay, challenge accepted," and I did, and. After that, my my call began to kind of come into fruition, um, and he kind of helped me with that. He helped me learn what's it like to hear the voice of God. How do you know you hear the voice of God? Um, we would we would sit down and we play chess. He he had cancer, and he uh, I didn't know this at the time, but he had cancer, and he'd have me come over and rake his leaves and do other sorts of things just to help around the house. I didn't know that he needed the help. I thought he was just an, 
an older gentleman that needed help, but he needed, he needed a lot of help. And, uh, he just kind of helped solidify some of those things that I had felt at 15 when I heard, when I really heard the voice of God say, Hey, I want you to choose. And, um, man, some ebbs and flows in that calling, but, uh, definitely some validation that came from him that kind of steered me correctly into that, into that space. And he, he bought me my first computer to go to, to gateway. Uh, and, wow. uh, he, he kind of sent me off and he, and he told me something. He was like, Gavin, you know, you're going to go to Bible college for a Bible college education. And he knew I was really struggling with this idea to become a preacher. So he told me, he says, Gavin, uh, don't tell people that you're a preacher. <laughs> uh, don't tell people you're a preacher. Just tell them that you're going to get a Bible education and your calling will just kind of bloom and you'll kind of find that fitting of what that looks like. And yeah, yeah. That's a that's amazing advice, and it's so important that, um, especially in a situation like yours, you know, when you're struggling to have that that role of a father in your life, that someone does step into the gap and and helps provide that mentorship. You know, yeah. where would you be w- without him stepping in? Without that youth pastor, you know, being wise enough to get you connected to somebody, so then they can help shape your destiny. You know. Absolutely. And I think you worded it correctly, you know, shape, shape a destiny. Um, they were definitely facilitators in helping me navigate through that call. I think it's, in, I think it's very instrumental uh, for those who feel that call to, uh, to have people like that in their lives that can kind of help guide and direct them. Because uh, honestly, if I hadn't, if I hadn't had that guidance, if I hadn't had that mentorship, uh, you're right, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be on this call right now. I don't think so. <laughs> mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And and like like you said, there's two sides to that. There's the there's the young person who needs that mentorship that that is desiring guidance, or they may not even know that they need guidance, but um, you know they're tr- they're trying they're fumbling after the will of God in their life. And then there's the other side of the person who's willing to give up their time, who's willing to give up themselves to help that person grow and develop. And oftentimes we look at discipleship as discipling new believers, but mm. you know, there's, there's so many avenues of discipleship that can take place and, or mentorship. And, uh, and we can help people, you know, even those of us who may not feel like we're active in ministry per se as like a preacher or so on. There's so much you can do in the kingdom of God, especially around uh, working with young people. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So uh, what advice would you give someone who is feeling the call of God, a young person, or maybe even someone who's a bit older, but what are some things that that you would recommend them do if they're feeling um, the call of God in their life? Yeah, I thought about that question. uh, And that's a really good question. Um, You know, number one, I think, prayer you know i would constantly ask god uh to reveal more about what the call looks like um mm-hmm. as you develop in age and as you as you grow so what i thought the call of god on my life has definitely kind of morphed uh, obviously preaching the gospel is the is the foundational of what i what i'm going to do and to to glorify God and to make disciples. That's what, that's what he's called every disciple to do, right? 
but what does that look like for me in my context? Um, so I think, you know, constantly asking God to reveal what that looks like specifically, um, you know, we hear about Paul, we know that Paul is, uh, and, and who, and to whom I'm supposed to reach out to, right? So that's the, the thing I, the thing I would advise is pray about what it looks like and also pray to whom do you have, I, to whom have you called me to? What specific people, what specific mm. demographic have you called me to? Uh, when I look at that, I look at Paul, uh, whom specifically God tells Ananias that that I'm calling him for a specific reason and to a specific people, right? Um, I'm not sure if he relays that. I'm not sure if Ananias relays that to Paul. I'm not sure if Paul has to figure that on his own. Uh, but eventually we read that he does. He does learn that this is what he was mm -hmm. called to do and specifically to whom he was called to do it for. Um, I would also advise, you know, find a mentor kind of like me that can navigate, that can navigate that call, um, for your life. Um, and I think a caveat to that is to watch people that, to whom you think the, to whom you, you think that, okay, that's my call. So like, let's say you, you feel called to preaching or you feel, you feel called to, um, whatever, whatever it is in ministry. Um, watch those people, um, uh, mm -hmm. become a watcher, not, not an imitator, right. But become a watcher, uh, to those who resemble God's call in your life. Um, and then lastly, um, this is something that I wish I would have done. Now I'm doing it now in my thirties that I wish I would have done, but don't be afraid to ask practical questions from those, uh, who resemble that same call to ask them, Hey, mm -hmm. how do you develop a sermon or Hey, what does your ministry really look like in your context? Um, hey, how do I do this? Uh, am I off? Um, and like my mentor, he would tell me, and this is where you can have a mentor, right? This is where you can have someone to talk with. They can let you know. And he was very uh, candid with me about when an idea was good and when I, when I was off, you know, when I was not, when I mm. was not on. Uh, and that was helpful. Yeah, that's great advice. And, you know, and, and I, I believe that covers a whole lot of different parts of, uh, of calling. And I think, you know, as you said, the call of God isn't always just bang, <laughs> now you're called and then you walk straight into it, but it can, as you said, ebb and flow, or there can be moments, um, along the, and, and that's for everybody, even the people who experience like a dramatic call of God there's still the ebbs and flows of ministry and development and all of that. And, and there's the different advice that you gave there is, is so key when it comes to developing your ministry. Now, yeah. I wanted to ask you about this because I'm not sure how many people would know this, um, but Gavin Cole is a walking miracle. I remember uh, just, uh, it was a couple of years after I was here in Australia, I started seeing posts on Facebook saying, pray for Gavin, pray for Gavin. Well, um, what had happened is you, you actually had collapsed. I believe I got this, this right. You've, you collapsed and died while you were playing basketball at gateway. Um, yes, sir. you know, and, and, uh, I don't know all the details. I know you've shared a bit of it with me, but would you mind sharing with us, you know, what exactly happened and, and, and how it is that, that you came back to life? Yeah. Yeah, that is, uh, 
that is the, probably the highlight of my life uh, outside of marrying my wife and having having my two wonderful kids. Um, I was I was at Gateway College of Evangelism, now Urshan, for those who uh, don't know. And uh, it was my freshman year, my freshman year of uh, of college. And I have to I have to make this very clear. Make this very clear. I was a college student, right? So I didn't have a lot of money. Um, so my meal of choice was ramen noodles. Okay, ramen noodles. Uh, and I, you know, people say you get the freshman ten and freshman fifteen. I had like the freshman like thirty. Like I was packing it on, Greg. It was, <laughs> it was not good. It was not. It was not a healthy choice. Just carb loading like all the time. <laughs> yes, but it was cheap, right? It was cheap. Well, yeah. uh, because I had decided, as, as I had mentioned before, I love basketball. Because I had decided to go to Gateway, I decided to kind of put any extracurricular things on the backboard burner, especially basketball. It's any like if people wanted to play pickup, I decided, you know, I'm going to sacrifice that my first year um, and really focus on on my studies. And so, um, I w- I remember. Uh, I was so studious, Greg, that I was done with all my work um, by November 8th of that year. So I had like a month to go. Yeah, I was so done. And all I needed to do was was finals and exams. Right. And I was so studious and I had this regiment every day that I would get up at 430 every morning and I would pray in the chapel or in my room. And people begin to ask me, why do you wake up so early to pray? And my my reasoning was no one else was up. So I had got to myself. That was my, that was my reasoning. Mm. And so I would, I would pray like that every single day. Um, but when I had finished all my work, all my schoolwork, um, of course there was other things I could study, but then someone asked me, Hey, would you like to come play basketball uh, this evening? And I said, you know what? I'm done with all my studies. I'm, I'm great. Everything's awesome. Let me let me do this. But I said, let me pray. I'm going to pray and then I'll meet you guys there. Well, in the prayer, Greg, you ever said something you're praying and, and you're really you're really feeling it. And sometimes you say things you don't mean. You ask God, you know, mm-hmm. God, give me patience. Well, when you ask God for patience, he's going to give you opportunity to, to try that patience out. Right. <laughs> well, I remember. Yeah. yeah, I remember that I had prayed and I was so, so passionate that I told the Lord. I said, Lord, I'll even die for you. I remember that specifically. Mm. So, Lord, I'll even die for you. And that was the end of the prayer. And I went to go play basketball. And mind you, when I got there, man, I I won like six games in a row. I was doing great. I felt like my old self again with an extra 30 to 40 pounds, mind you. And about the sixth or seventh game, uh, I remember shooting the last three point three pointer, uh, whatever it was, and to my knowledge, it went in, but I don't know that because at that moment I fell down dead right there on the on the floor, and the reason why I think I made it is because when I fell down, the way that they described it was I kind of fell down, kind of um, you know, really smooth, uh, really really smooth, not really hard, just smooth. And so people, uh, they know I'm a jokester. They thought I was joking, Greg. And they went out to go get mm. a drink of water. 
and there I lay for about give or take uh, seven to ten minutes there on the floor. Now, if you know anything about uh, you know not having any oxygen to the brain, you know that's not really good. Uh, that's not really good at all. Well, they came in and they tried to do mouth to mouth and resuscitation, all those wonderful CPR things and nothing was working. They called the ambulance uh, and they finally got there and they tried to do uh, CPR um, and they were able to get kind of like a little, a little rhythm, but then it went away and a little rhythm and then it went away. Uh, well, simultaneously, they're trying to call uh, my mom and, uh, you know, she lived in Kansas City where I grew up and I was going to school there in St. Louis. Well, it's about a three and a half, four hour drive. And um, she made it there like in two. She was flying. Wow. She was flying. And uh, they got me to the hospital. Um, not really stable. Not really there. Um, the students at Gateway, they were praying. And that's what you saw. People began to uh, blast social media, uh, which I'm thankful for. I believe God heard, heard every prayer that you guys prayed. Um, but they began to blast social media and, and people began to pray. Well, during that space, uh, that two and a half, three hour space where uh, I really wasn't there, uh, the doctors kept coming out to the students to say, hey, he's dead. We just really needed to identify the body. Uh, he's gone. Uh, we're just kind of waiting for mom to kind of arrive there. And to make a long story short, uh, wow. my mom kind of flies in, comes into the hospital, and uh, the students had stopped praying, but she basically tells them, hey, my son's going to live. My son's going to live today. Mm. And, of course, many of them thought that uh, that was denial. I'm sure the medical team thought that that was denial. But when she walked into that room, Greg, um, I got up and I began speaking in another language, and I am here today. And uh, that is that is my story. Wow. The Lord has been very, very kind to me, very, very good to me. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my story. Man, that's amazing. I didn't realize it was that dramatic as far as the resuscitation goes. I thought, um, yeah, I thought it was over time. You know, he, he, you sort of lose your memory <laughs> of things over the years, especially um, because I wasn't there, but, man, that is, yeah. that is amazing. That is a powerful story. Yeah. And I'm sure there was some ebbs and flows in the hospital where, you know, things kind of worked and then didn't, but, um, the testimony is really, um, though that was simultaneous, that was kind of, you know, dramatic. There was still some ebbs and flows there. Um, but the, I think the testimony really is with the medical team, uh, they were, they really didn't have any words. Uh, that's what, that's what wow. did it for me. Obviously, I wasn't there. So my biggest testimony that I can say for me, uh, for, for you guys, you know, experiencing it on the outside in, super, super dramatic, super awesome. But my testimony was to see the bafflement of every single, uh, all the medical team. They just didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to say. Um yeah. And now that I work in a hospital, uh, I too would be that way. I'd be like, whoa, mm. that just happened yeah. in our hospital. Praise God. That's amazing. 
Your, your yeah. mom's the champion. We we just saw her uh, a couple weeks ago at Refuge. Wow. I was able to to visit Refuge Church first time there in like 13 years, and your mom was there worshiping behind us. It was so good to see her, to hug her neck. Uh, my yeah. wife, you know, loves her. <laughs> She's like, who's yeah. this classy lady? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's mama. Yeah, that's mama. Yeah. She's actually here with me. Yeah. Uh, she's actually here with me. Oh, uh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, she came to visit. Yeah, she she was telling me that, yeah, she was telling us that she was heading up to Ohio. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I bet it's great to have your mom with you there. It is. It is. And, and speaking of Ohio, so, you know, that happened at, at Bible school, and I'm not exactly how long it was before um, you became a, a youth pastor at Mount Vernon, but you're now the youth pastor of the Apostolic Church in Mount Vernon, Ohio, and that church is pastored by uh, Brother L.J. Harry. Many of you would have heard of him uh, preaching a, a lot of youth conferences, conventions ac- over the years, and he preached, I remember he preached at, um, uh, oh, what is it, what do they call it at Gateway? Oh, I think it was Preview Weekend uh, he mm. preached when I was there, and uh, awesome. I, I just read his book, uh, Ten. Uh, and, yeah, and he's yeah, got a yeah. podcast as well, your pastor. But uh, you know, how long have you been involved in youth ministry? You've been there for a number of years now. How long have you been involved overall? Yeah, I've been uh, in youth ministry. I want to say uh, eight years. Eight years mm-hmm. now. Uh, it's my bread and butter. I love. I love working <laughs> with students. Uh, I loved it so much yeah. that I started working for a school district nearby, uh, you know, about two years into the, the youth ministry. Uh, but yeah, youth ministry, mm-hmm. my butter, bread and butter, man. I, I love students, love kids. Man, that's awesome. And uh, you can kind of tell from your story how you would be drawn to youth ministry. You know, the, the impact that you had, that, that you experienced as a young person through a youth pastor who, who had that wisdom um, can you talk about that a bit? Like, do you see that connection between how you grew up, the impact youth ministry had on you? I remember, uh, I have a memory of you at Missouri Youth Camp, and you, I think you received Camper of the Year one year. Um, yeah, yeah. So, like, youth, youth conferences, youth conventions, youth camps, youth ministry as a whole has played a, a big role in your life. It has. Um, you know, I do see that connection. Uh, I think I even modeled my youth ministry after the youth pastor that I saw, uh, super relational. Uh, Kevin Weisgerber was mm-hmm. his name. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Weisgerber. And he really took the time, um, you know, to, to be relational, very intentional about being with us. Um, there was times that he would take us on Tuesday nights just to go play basketball. Cause he could hoop or he thought he could hoop, you know, he thought he could play, and, <laughs> uh, you know, and I, you know what? I'm even thinking now, I remember how you used to play basketball. Do you still shoot with two hands? <laughs> oh, the call out. No, I don't still shoot with two hands. <laughs> no, but he, uh, he, he, he just was really relational just with ro- us. Roasting me, on, <laughs> roasting me on my own podcast. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, No. Well, you know, you know, it's been a long time. I haven't had a chance to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. 
I mean, I'm not going to lie. People on this podcast, uh, Greg used to be a little bit of a bully when he played basketball with me back in the day. I'm just going to make that very clear. <laughs> so I got to get him back somehow. Uh, I didn't have the talent, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, back to your question, I think uh, there is a relation, there, there is a connection between the impact that I, that I experienced as a young person and even now. And I, I would even say, uh, you know, what a humbling experience to be able to pour back into uh, students as much as they uh, as much as I think that was poured into me, I think I have a lot more to pour into, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, to overflow what was given to me. Um, cause I have a huge debt to those people that I talked about, you know, Kevin Wise, mm-hmm. Ron Dilda, and even, uh, his wife, you know, uh, Carol, she was very, just so intentional about my growth, right. They were intentional about my spiritual growth. Um, and, was very systematic about it, but also at the same time, um, kind of flowed and was very fluid about how they connected with me. Uh, if one thing didn't work, they tried another. And in my youth ministry, that's what mm-hmm. we do too. We, we are very intentional. You know, if this is not working, if this is not connecting, if this is not impacting, let's, let's try another avenue uh, that helps uh, the spiritual mm-hmm. growth process. So you've been uh, a youth pastor. Oh, have you been a youth pastor for eight years or just worked in youth ministry? How long have you been actually the youth pastor there? Yeah, youth pastor for eight years. Mm, okay. I just wanted to see, yeah, I, I didn't know if that was clarified. But wh- what do you see as the biggest challenge that this generation of young people are facing? Um, yeah. <sighs> Noise, Greg, mm. noise. Um, you know, there there is a flood of various mediums screaming out for their attention. Uh, and if they're not careful, uh, they'll kind of get swept away if they are not intentional, intentional about shutting uh, everything else away and allowing themselves to process what's going on. Um, and by process, mm. I do mean one of those avenues to be prayer. But at the same time, you know, noise in itself, there's just so many things coming at them. And if they're not careful, they'll just kind of kind of get swept away. I think noise, um, I guess we can uh, we can translate it as distractions. But really, uh, I don't think that really encomp- uh, that encompasses it. Just just the noise, the, just the constant noise. I think that uh, that's one of the biggest challenges that if they can learn how to live in the silence every once in a while, um, they can hear the voice of God. Um, in my experience, um, you know, one of those, one of those ways is fasting for me, you know, I try to try my best to kind of close out the world for a little bit, kind of unplug the spiritual wax that's in the ears to really hear the voice of God. And if they're always hearing noise, they're always hearing some other voice outside of God's voice. And they're really not having, uh, they really don't know where they're going. And that can be, that can be quite yeah. Uh, concerning. Yeah. 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 That's so good. Uh, re- relating it to not just noise, but voices as well. You know, we have to be careful of the voices we allow in and, uh, you know, even on 
even in spiritual matters, even in spiritual things, you know, you could follow different people on social media and allow them to be a spiritual voice in your life. And you have no idea what their walk with God is like, um, like I'll give you an example. Okay. So, and this is not to put this guy on blast. I don't know his, actually, I can't remember his name, but there's this social media influencer. He's a Christian. Uh, yeah. I think he's over in, in Europe, but he's got like a hundred and something thousand followers. Mm. And actually there's a couple young people in our, in, in our church here that follow him. And, uh, and he just did, he's just doing a collaboration with another apostolic, uh, podcaster. And, uh, and I was looking at his feed, you know, cause I was like, Oh, that's cool that he's doing this collaboration. Uh, he was this guy. So I go through and like the 10th post down, he's talking about cults. And the mm. first thing he says is like the number one, the number one thing that, you know, it's a cult is a denial of the Trinity. It's mm. like, we're following this guy. You're allowing this guy to speak into your life. And he's saying the number one thing is that you're in a cult if, if you don't, if you don't yeah. believe in the Trinity. And I know that's, we kind of gotten off, off the track a little bit there, but I just think that's so important that, that young people and, and, and those of us who are leading young people, connecting with young people, encourage them to really look into the voices that they're allowing in their life, not just all of the noise, you know, there's all that noise, there's the secular noise and all that. But even in, even in the Christian world, we have to be careful of what we're opening ourselves up to. Absolutely. You know, I, Greg, you, you mentioned something that kind of uh, got my brain going. Um, it's something I teach my, my kids, and this is how me and my wife kind of operate. When we talk about noise, uh, I also think about this, this, this concept that God gives about exposure um, in, in Exodus uh, and, and moving on um, throughout the, the Torah God really makes it very clear that when they get the promised land, the children of Israelite, the children of Israel, uh, when they get the promised land, I'm not going to give you everything at one time. He says, I'm not going to give you, give you the whole land. And he explains to them why he says, you're not going to be able to know how to take care of it. Uh, if I give you too much, you, it'll just be too much for you. So I'm going to give it to you little by little. And, you know, I call this the law of exposure and with students, especially with students, especially uh, what you expose yourself is important because that kind of imprints on you. You can't really take back what you, what you've been exposed to. And so those students mm -hmm. that are, that are listening uh, to those voices need to be very careful because once you're exposed to it, then now you have to process what you've been exposed to. And sometimes you're not at the age to process right. those things. And that's where, you know, spiritual leadership comes in where, they can now help you process that. But I think a lot of our students and a lot of the, the upcoming generation, they are getting flooded with all this noise or all this exposure that if not processed correctly, will lead them down roads that they never thought they would travel. Mm. You know, it will, it will give them. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes those voices, are good for them to hear. It's just not good for them to hear now. Mm, Sometimes the, that exposure yeah. and that noise is good for them. You know, if they're 20, maybe when they're 25, 26, they'll be able to better understand and comprehend that particular noise or that particular voice. Um, but at right now, I think it would be pertinent for them. Let's just dial that, that 
channel down and then dial the channel yeah. of their pastor up for just a little bit, you know, uh, in their life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's sound advice. That's great advice. So we talked uh, about the, um, the challenges that the, the generation, the younger generation is facing the generation you're leading. Um, yeah. what do you see, what excites you about this generation of apostolics? You, I just saw recently over the summer you were able to minister at Missouri Youth Camp. That was so cool. I, I, when I saw that, it just brought a big smile to my face. Like, man, that's amazing ministering at the yeah. camp you grew up at, and and you minister. I think you minister. Did you minister at Ohio Camp as well? Were you? Yeah, I did Ohio as well. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. you know, you're interacting with this generation outside of the local youth group. You're interacting with generation the this generation all across the country. What excites you about this new generation of apostolics? Oh, man, uh, they're, they're, you know, I think, uh, I'm going to say that like this, their reckless passion to do something for God. Uh, and what a, whatever avenue, though, uh, however unique that looks, um, they, they want to see it. Like they want to see it. They're real. They have an appetite mm-hmm. for the spiritual things of God. They really do, um, and not just, and not just like they're not. They're not waiting until they're thirty. They're not waiting until they're forty. They're excited about doing something for God right now. Um, many of them that, I mean, even in my own youth ministry, just watching some of them just dive into. Um, going on the missions field or going to a foreign country um, that they feel called to. Um, it's mm-hmm. just amazing. I, I was talking with a young man uh, today going to work and he's in Vanuatu right now. And uh, he was, he's, I mean, he was super excited, just super excited about the people. And to hear him say that he's like, Gavin, I, you know, I, I had COVID for a couple of weeks, but the, the biggest uh, the biggest challenge for him was that he wasn't going to be able to be with the people. So he wasn't going to Vanuatu for the accolades. He's going there for the people. So that would be my my biggest excitement about this generation is that they they really care for people, um, no matter the gender, the, the creed, uh, um, you know, however someone identifies, uh, they push past that and they say, you know, let me love them. Let me figure out how we can uh, spread the gospel in a way that's unique to them without without changing the message, without changing, um, you know, the core of what we believe, but maybe kind of modifying um, the how it's presented. And they're really unique about doing that. Yes. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to see uh, what they come up with as we continue on mm. uh, before the Lord comes. Yeah, I love that answer, and, and you see that you see that on social media. You see that in in day to day life. You know they're pushing past that, pushing past the noise, and, and really yeah. trying to reach their generation for Jesus. I like to ask this question to anyone who comes on the podcast: um, What is it that drives you when it comes to ministry? What is it that is that driving force for Gavin Cole? Uh. Well, I, people, really, the, the journey with people uh, with an expected outcome of growth. That's that's my biggest 
deal. I, I love people. Um, and the journey with people, I, I feel like I have a pastor's heart. Like I, I just love watching uh, them grow in, in steps and spiritual growth. And man, my, my drive is to see as many disciples um, as I can, but that's not where I want to stop, right? I want to see many mm-hmm. disciples and then they disciple others and then they just, they disciple others. And I think what drives me the most, and I can, I can, I can tell you this is that whenever I am doing a Bible study, whenever I'm reaching out to someone in the back of my mind, I'm thinking that's the next Paul. Like I, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. me. Right. I don't have to be the one to preach to the masses. I don't have to be the one to write a, a whole bunch of books, though. That would be awesome. Um, I want to impact in a way that says I want to be impacted the way that I was impacted. Right. Very few people will know about the Ron Dilda. Right. But I do. He helped me. He was a mentor to me. Mm. Uh, he never preached a camp, uh, but I got to preach a camp and I was humbled to do so and impact others. Uh, my real drive is to disciple someone that will go further and that will reach more uh, for the kingdom. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Well, we've really appreciated your time here today. Thank you again for coming on the podcast, for for spending it with us, for sharing your powerful story and what God has has done in your life thus far and what he's going to continue to do moving forward. Uh, I like to finish all of these uh, episodes, these conversations by giving the guests the final words. So if you wouldn't mind uh, closing us off here with, with a word specifically for the podcast. Thank you, brother. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, well, the word that I have, it comes in kind of two waves. Um, my wife and I had experienced and have experienced um, a pretty dark time. Uh, this past September, we heard um, my mother-in-law had uh, been diagnosed with stage four cancer and I was in a dark place, very, very dark place. Um, I was still living for God, but I was just struggling. I was having a hard, hard time and I'm a hospital chaplain. So we have these chaplain cohorts and these, these ways that we kind of, um, process things. And I remember I was in a session, uh, with some of them and, they began to ask me how I was doing, and I was I was having a hard time, Greg, hard time. And I remember while I was talking to them, um, the Lord wanted me to explain something to them. So he tells me to read. He says, I want you to quote, I want you to quote the first few verses of, of the Bible here. And so I said, I did. I said, okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And he says, pause read it again. So I did. I said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. And he stopped me. He says, Gavin, even in your darkness, even where you are, I'm there. And so I want to challenge any student, any person that's listening to this podcast, you're in a dark place whether it's you're trying to figure out what your ministry is, you're trying to figure out what your call is, you're trying to figure out what's going on, you're in a dark place and it's and you can't see what's going on. And, 
but I want you to know that God knows how to maneuver and navigate over the darkness. He shows us how, how to do that in the very beginning over our circumstances. He does this over the earth without form. And he also recognizes that even before your situation even begins, even begins, he's there hovering over that. And everything that you're going to go through, everything that you're going to go through, you're going to have, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have, um, anxiety. You're going to have all these feelings that are happening. And I remember I was in a dark place, but when he told me, when he explained to me that he was there in that dark place, and not only was he there in that dark place, but he moved in it. He was free to move in it. That let me know that he was in control of the entire situation. And in that process, I've learned, um, to not ask God to, to get out of the situation of the process, but to pray to help me move his mission while I'm there. And this is what I want to leave you with. It's Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Um, and this actually 4, verse 29 through 31. And this is what it said. The children of Israel, I mean, sorry, the, 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 the church is in a really hard spot. They're in a dark place, right? They're in a huge dark place. And they begin to pray, Greg. They begin to pray. And this is their prayer. He says, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And something happens. I realize that God hears that prayer. He hears that prayer even in the midst of all their darkness, in the midst of all that's going on in their space. He hears that. And the Bible says that he responds. And I believe he responds because even in the midst of their darkness, they didn't ask to, to, for God to have the eject button. They just said, Lord, while we're in this process of darkness, give us the tools to move your mission. And Acts chapter 4 verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I pray for every person on this podcast in the midst of your darkness. Don't try to get out of the process, but ask God to give you the tools in that process to move his mission. May you be blessed in all that you do. In Jesus' name.